Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Indeed, it's another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It is the season two finale, episode 160. Thought we wouldn't make it this far. It's one man's opinion. Thank you, thank you, thank you, each and every one of you for downloading, subscribing, commenting, telling a friend, spreading the word uh, on this podcast. We really do appreciate it. It is definitely a passion project and something that I love to do every single week. And uh, hopefully you guys are getting something from it too. You like it. Uh, we will be off for the next couple of weeks, though, just so you guys know, just as I mentioned on last episode, dealing with some health issues, going in for surgery Monday the 28th. So uh, when they say two to four weeks, I'll likely probably be out two weeks from this podcast and uh, pick it up at that spot. So thank you once again. If you're just stumbling in, my name is Jeff Manns. You hear me weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio Channel 87. Also, Chief Content Officer, part owner here at the Elite Sports Network, FantasyGuru.com, EliteFantasy.com, EliteSportsBetting.com. Find me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans, all one word, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. But it's not just me today, everybody. Oh, no, no. It's the finale of season two. I had to produce a banger for you. And fortunately enough, Ray Flowers has agreed to step in and uh, spend some time with us today. How are you, Ray Flowers? I know how desperate you are to have me on this podcast, Jeff, because normally you would have said, I tried to get someone big and I got yes. stuck with Ray Flowers. So <laughs> the fact that you were nice means you actually are appreciative I'm here. I'm, a, I'm super, by the way, you are so right on that. I almost did it. I, I was going to say, I was trying to get somebody big, but instead we got Ray Flowers. But um, this is one of those, it's a sentimental episode a little bit here. Ray Flowers is obviously uh, been very uh, transparent with the audience that I've had some health issues over the last week, up a month. You know about it, being a good friend and a coworker and everything else. So, you know, all that's going on sort of behind the scenes. And you are here as a good friend and just a great person in general you're going to be the one picking up a lot of the slack and specifically hosting the elite sports show on Sirius XM for a while, while I'm gone. And again, we don't really know. That's the scary thing. I think that's the scariest part for me, right? As I truly don't know how long this recovery is going to take. It's a long, very sort of complicated surgery, if you will. Uh, I'm having, you know, mass from your colon taken out and, you know, all this good stuff. So it's a scary time for me. And it's very good to know that the show and our customers and our listeners are in good hands with the, you and the crew. Oh, I appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, I always, um, you know, we're not just coworkers, we're friends and happy to, you know, pitch in when you, you need a hand. You've done it for me over the years. And hopefully the listeners, uh, you know, we have different styles. I, you know, you're much more flamboyant <laughs> and fun to listen to, I think, than yeah. I am. But uh, I hopefully the, the listeners will, will like what we're able to do in your absence. And uh, we'll keep the old fire burning until you're ready to take back the torch. I don't know, man. I'm uh, you've you've done you. I've had a negative effect on you over the years that you're starting to get out there yelling a lot more mm. lou louder than you used to be. That's the calm pass of Ray Flowers. I don't know. 
it could be the Jeff Mann's effect. It could just be the getting older effect. I don't know. We won't say which is which, but uh, you've been a little feisty there as well. So, uh, Ray, I do appreciate you doing that, stepping up, and and doing this show as well. We've got a lot to talk about. So, the way this goes normally, folks, I, I do this podcast from March through end of February. I take a week off normally. This year, obviously, it's for health issues. Normally, I take a week's vacation, and then we just go back to it 51 weeks straight. You know, that's the way I like to do it. And so we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot on the baseball front, what's coming up, not only for you and I and over at fantasyguru.com, where the draft guide is available, 2022 fantasy baseball draft guide backed by the guru guarantee season or no season. We got you covered, ladies and gentlemen, don't you worry about that. We've got the merger where elite, Fantasy.com, Elite Sports Betting, Elite Sports Data, all going under the Fantasy Guru banner um, in the next couple of weeks. That's something that's happening, uh, you know, previewing the, the brand new draft guide homepage and all of our new Elite Plus media where a bunch of new podcasts and live streams will be debuting here in the coming days and weeks ahead. All this football stuff that's going on, NFL offseason, obviously, and some changes, you know, I like after a season's over, I like to like the football season. I, I like to immediately dive in a little bit. I don't like to just take the hiatus, Ray. I like to dive in and just make sure that I've got my frame of reference, my, my framing of what happened in 2021 under control before I take a little time off and then dive back into it. May, June, July, because other, because between now and when people normally get going for football season in June or July, a lot of the context gets watered down or changed. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, it's always funny when we, as people working in the fantasy industry with both of us doing multiple sports, we, uh, often talk to people like they'll say, Oh, you ready for a football question? And you're like, I'm always ready for a football question or Ray, you ready for a baseball question? I'm always ready. I mean, we're always right. working ahead. You know, that's the case. I started working on the, the baseball product in uh, October this year. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. Right. after, you, Yeah. Right. At, you know, right at the season's ending in November, I, I usually take the, a month off. I did a pull to Jeff Mann. I didn't even take a month off. It took like four days off. Right. Um, you know, you're, already looking ahead to 2022 fantasy football season. You've been doing all the stuff on the show on Sirius and, you know, doing research and creating, you know, things to look at for the future and all that. So, yeah, I think that, you know, there are things that there, there's always something. And you know, we were having a discussion the other day off air, you know, about the fact that there's, oh, there's so much stuff that we want to do. We just don't have the time for it. I know a lot of people seemingly are flummoxed. They don't know what direction to go or what we wish there was more time. Because there's yeah. always something that you can be learning, growing with, understanding, creating. So yeah, there, there's there never really should be a downtime, and there always there always are changes that are occurring. You need to keep up keep up the pace, Jeff. No doubt about it. And you know, don't let too much time pass between these seasons, and make sure you're right on it. That's like I said, you started the draft guide for fantasy baseball right after the season. Like it was just immediate because you know what you felt and you know what was. I want to say luck, but you know, things that were new trends that have developed and emerged. And then also things that were kind of freakish 
or random that also happen. And, you know, the further we get away from the season, those lines tend to blur. So we'll be diving into all of that. A lot of baseball on today's show, a lot of preview for the upcoming baseball season. We'll do some fantasy football as well and talk about some of the things we learned from this past fantasy football season also. So want to get into all of that. I also, I'm going to start out though with a little behind the scenes thing here as well, because I had this situation. Ray knows where I'm going because I've been chatting his ear off about it the last two days. On I'm a I was less than a week away from the surgery I'm supposed to have. And again, for those who don't know, I, I've, it's been four months at this point. It was early November when I was diagnosed with this and had the routine colonoscopy, and you know went through all this stuff. So I've been waiting. I waited for our customers. I waited to get like you know, the right timing. And I made sure I was done with the football season and everything was about to work out. I also got like new insurance during this. And I haven't had medical insurance for the little FY behind the scenes. I, uh, for those who care, I haven't had medical insurance in five years. It's not. And I went through uh, intestinal cancer and a whole round of treatment as a surgery treatment, and everything with, without insurance, which was a scary time. When I moved from Illinois to Arizona, the cost of medical insurance was out fucking landish. Like it was fucking it for my family. I was paying about $1,700 a month in Illinois, went to Arizona. It was the same for that first year, but it was only for like six months right after that. Right. It was, it was going to be like $3,500 a month. And I'm like, fuck this. Right. So I researched things and I ended up doing a med share. Now these can be scams. They're not, it's a nervous time with med shares and everything else. And at that time I was healthy. Everybody, you know, good shape, well, financial. Okay. I thought, okay, this is the right move to make. You still pay, you know, like $500 a month or something for this med share. But when you have problems, you have submit bill, you pay up front and submit billing and all this shit. So that's where I have been at. Right. And um, it's been nerve wracking, especially when I right away, cancer diagnosis was nine months after I went on this med I'm like, Oh fuck. I just fucked myself, but everything worked out. I'm we're very lucky had to, f- it's a, I learned something about our medical uh, healthcare system, right. And in, in that when you go in and you go to a doctor appointment, I used to pay like a 40, $50 copay. And then I would, you know, then they'd bill insurance after that. Right. So you'd pay out of pocket. They'd also bill insurance. And, you know, sometimes you see those bills like that thousand dollars to see them. Now I would go to a doctor appointment. I'd say, Hey, they said, what insurance card? I said, no, I'm self pay. And they'd, they'd look around and be like, okay, that'll be $25. And I'm like, what? $25. Okay. And I would pay $25. For a doctor, I, I remember, I think it was like 125 or something, 120 for my oncologist back in 2017. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And then again, you have to apply and you, you send it out through the med share and then you get it back you know, a month or two later, which you know not everybody could do. And I understand that, but it was like, wow, why is it so fucking cheap compared to what it was with insurance? Why is this 10 times the price? Well, this time around, I said, i Start of the year, I got to get some health insurance for myself because if I go through this again, it could be really catastrophic, obviously. And I did that. And long story short, they call me a week from the surgery and say, oh, yeah, you can't be at this facility. Your insurance doesn't want you at this facility. Mind you, 
insurance is part of the reason that I had to delay appointments and everything else and had to jump through 15 hoops just to get to the surgeon, just to get the date, just to go through all this fine. Then they say, oh, they don't want it at this hospital. They want a hospital that's an hour away from you. And I live in a valley, Ray, where there's an hour, you're in the fucking mountains. You know what I mean? Like you're out of the valley. It's so far away. It is, I think I was telling you, it's like the seventh furthest hospital from, or seventh closest hospital. Like, why do you go from the third furthest hospital to the seventh one that's so far away, it's four towns over? It was absurd to me that they would do this shit. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had long interaction with um, healthcare and insurance and everything. My father, you know, my personal story, my father had mm-hmm. issues for forever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all a mess. You know, when everyone knows you pay 40 bucks for Tylenol, right? Like it's all, it's all just a mess. And, um, you know, the way that I've gotten to where I am today, where I can dominate the system and the setup yeah, is I'm with someone who's really fancy, who gets me coverage through her work. So that's yeah. how I get it. Hey, yeah. Carol. I get the biotech insurance that I can, I'm, I'm so going great. to Stanford now. Um, yeah, but, uh, you have to be obviously fortunate to, to get that level of coverage. So Luckily for me now, it's okay. But I mean, I was privately insured for years um, Mm -hmm. after, you know, Obama came into office and they changed the rules. I lost my health insurance. Right. And um, I had to redo it. And it was three times as much money as I was paying privately and all that. And then then I hit 40 years old and it starts going up. And so it's it's quite a racket. And uh, there are gazillions of dollars made in this um, by the corporations. And it's not always to the benefit of the patient. Yeah, it's been wild, man. And so they tried to cancel the insurance or they tried to cancel my entire thing. And again, I've had this lined up for a month, a month plus, really. And, you know, the timing is right. You're taking over and helping out Ted and and Phil and Sandra, everybody's stepping up, Rob, Rusty, everybody here at Elite, you know, so that I can uh, recover and not be, you know, have to jam on air or do any hard, heavy lifting, at least in the week or two post-surgery and I uh, appreciate it very much, by the way, but it's like, we have everything planned out and they called me fl- and I have told you personally flippantly, like the lady's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, when will we know? Oh, we'll call you in a few days to set up that appointment. Like, um, no, it, it, I mean, the way she sounded, I was like, ah, fuck you. Ah, go fuck yourself. We don't care. Ah, we could, you know, you, you have it when we say you have it. And it's a life-changing type of surgery. It's a monster surgery. It's all this stuff. And you're just so fucking flippant. So, so matter of fact, like what is wrong with you? So to make a long story short, and the part I want to get out here is that I said, fuck it. I said, what if we don't use insurance? And ladies has no idea. Oh, what if we don't even just fuck it? I'm just paying. I'll, I'll, I will pay as if I'm self-paid like I've been for the last five years. She had no idea. Took her two days to get back to me. Finally, she's like, yeah, we actually can do that. I'm like, right. I know I've done it for five years and it turned out and I'll tell everybody it's going to be about $6,000 out of pocket total, all total. And you can go on flex pay where you pay that some bitch after you know, two years, you have to pay uh, initial facility fee up front and all this stuff. And it's like six grand. That's it. If this surgery happened, I got my last medical bills were in the hundreds of thousands, right? This surgery is going to be a hundred thousand dollars surgery. I'm going to pay six grand out the door. That's all with insurance. That's what the insurance company would pay. 
and again, like insurance companies don't like it, whatever. I don't know why this is the same exact thing. You're going to bill a hundred thousand here, or if it's on me, it's 6,000. Like what the fuck? Like what, what, why is there such a difference? So anyway, I'm getting the surgery done at the same place and I'm just paying everything that's got to be out of pocket, which is a little nerve wracking as well. But, um, I just wanted to let everybody, because I guarantee Ray, there's a lot of people out there. I know you've been through it. You mentioned your father's illness and, and your personal stuff. And we all, I think we're all just getting fucking ramrodded. We just are like, it, this is reprehensible that the medical industry is like this. And I don't blame the doctors or nurses. They, and quite in fact, everybody who does, you're wrong because I go to a doctor and it's 25 bucks. If I by myself, they actually get, I mean, that's an impossible. I'll take that. Why am I paying my bill? Why am I paying any premiums at all? This is not that much money, right? And we don't realize that if we paid these people directly, it it would be a fraction. It would be literally in the single digit percents of what we pay in premium and what they, what the insurance company then pays after. So healthcare systems fucked. Yeah. And I'm not, smart enough nor have i done enough research to have an answer um but solve healthcare right now yeah, right flowers. give me 10 i'll do that next week while you're out John. okay next week um i don't have the answer of course but i do know that in a pra- from a practical perspective it's a mess and even even when it works it's a mess i mean i've, I've dealt with some things myself as you know you kind of hinted at there the last couple of years and it's mm-hmm. like i have to fight insurance i have to have 12 phone calls and emails and i have to write letters it's like just cover what you're supposed to cover. Like, I'm not asking for you to give me anything. This is what, this is fair. This is what it should be. So yeah, the whole system is, is really screwed up and it's a runaway train at this point. And it's all involved in politics and special interest groups and Capitol Hill. It's just, it's a mess. And uh, it could definitely stand to have everything reworked for the benefit of, Oh, I don't know what the actual patient. Yeah. And that's the thing, especially those that need it. I mean, need things, need surgery and, and care and treatments and things. And, you know, I, again, my dad went through a long illness back in the nineties from diagnosed in 91, passed away in 99, long bout of cancer. And it was just, you know, honestly, the doctors and nurses, I used to go to the chemo sessions with him and stuff. And it was a pleasant environment. Nurses were fun and nice and, and caring and the doctors. I've told you the stories. Um, about some of my dad's oncologist, for instance, was a member of our family. Like it's he's part of our, you know, everyday life. And it was just, it's a whole different atmosphere than where we are now. And it's the saddest part is that people that need treatment aren't able to get it. And the people that are in charge of setting this up and corresponding just don't seem to care either because I, I doubt that they're born that way. They're just so fractured by the system and so used to just putting off patients and the better good that, they simply cease to have feelings and it's sad to see, but anyway, I want to share that experience with everybody here on the podcast as well. Uh, I do want to let's react. We got breaking news here on one man's opinion. That never happens on a fucking podcast. What? But Ray, just moments ago, you and I did a serious XM show together today, according to this on a Wednesday and, you know, talk about the MLB major league baseball lockout and everything that's going on with that. And now a uh, report just come out and it's circulating very, it's, it spread like wildfire that major league baseball spokesperson that's owners, by the way, said tonight that if a deal isn't in place by the 20th of February, it's next Monday, 
regular season games will be canceled. A quote, a deadline is a deadline. The spokesperson said player pay would not be recouped, nor would these games be rescheduled. The spokesperson said this is an obvious, just straight. They're, they're going bazooka gun at the players association, blaming them. And I don't know, right? Yeah, that's kind of a, you know, they're, they're really trying the, the part about player pay would not be recouped even. Like there's no like back pay, you get it back. None of that kind of stuff. That's, that's, this is the owners digging in once again. And uh, it doesn't make me very confident the start of the season is going to happen. You asked me literally two hours ago on the show on Sirius XM, Ray, what is your confidence? They're going to play 140 games. And I'm like, yeah, it's happening. I see this and I'm like, oh shit. Right. Like I don't, I don't feel good anymore. Um, the idea it's because that, the, the this is am I wrong at all on the way I'm reading this? Because again, this just happened. Right. But when they say a spokesperson for Major League Baseball, that is not for the player. It has nothing to do with the player. You think right. Major League Baseball? Yeah. We think Fernando Tatis, Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. No, it's fucking these billionaire owners, right? Yeah. Yes. And here, you know, there are a lot of problems. And I've read. There's an article over at Fantasy Guru. If people want to read it, my take on all of this, you know, kind of it laying out some of the numbers and, and such, if you want to get a better handle on it, what does it mean for the fantasy game? All of that. When you have the owners who instituted a lockout and said that the lockout, the reason they did that was to kind of put pressure on everyone to, to discuss things and, and work out an agreement. They then proceeded to make one offer in like what, 43 days or something like that. And the second offer didn't come till over 70 days had gone by. There was no interest from the owners to negotiate at all. This was merely screw you players. We're going to put you on the defensive and you're going to cave. And now here we are, they're starting to negotiate. They finally sat down on Monday. Sorry. The owners now realize the players are, players are saying to the owners, screw you. We're not going to cave. And so what do the owners do? The owners who lost the season, the owners who bitched and moaned about not making any money, the owners who cut, let's not forget. This is not the first time they've done this, Jeff. In 2020, when COVID happened, Major League Baseball players tried to play 100 games when it all came down. Then they tried to play 80 games when it all came down. The owners said, no, we're playing 60 games. The owners Mm -hmm. cut games for whatever reason without the player's input. They're offering to do it again. So if they hadn't done this in 2020, I might think, oh, yeah, okay, this is another negotiating point. But they did this two years ago where they arbitrarily set up rules and they said, this is the way it's going to be. The players were locked out by the owners. The owners created the scenario. Now the owners are placing limits in the scenario that they created, putting roadblocks up. Like this, I'm getting really upset and very nervous for where this is all going, Jeff. It's bothersome. I mean, I am too. We knew something bad was happening, right? We knew something. We knew these two sides were destined for this fallout we've known for five years you and i've been talking about it really have every year we ramp up the urgency and nobody seemed to be urgent about it but there's so many little intricacies and as much as listen the players do they make a lot of money are there rich players absolutely but it it has got major league baseball owners have gotten so used to just absolutely steamrolling 
over the players at every level that it's, it's like when you get into the details here about them not sharing revenues, which is something that that's to me, I keep going back to it. And uh, I know a lot of other people don't realize it or they don't care as much, but man, I just think, you know, again, if I went and try, you know, me and my wife have joint bank accounts and everything else. If I said, no, nah, this money is going to be mine. Or we're not going to count the money I make here. We're not going to, we're divide all years equally. All right. You get this percentage. I get this percentage, whatever, but all my stuff is going to still be mine. And I'm getting a raise here and I'm getting money, my crypto here, my Bitcoin here, you know, like all of a sudden it becomes what the fuck, man. Like you're, you're not, a partner anymore here you're, you're being a, you know you're not negotiating good faith and i think that's what the owners are doing and the fact that these franchises are worth billions of dollars at this point i went through recently ray a list they all started because i'm like jerry reinsdorf owns the chicago bulls and the chicago white Sox. he bought the white Sox in like the early 80s for 20 million dollars i mean dude this is a billion dollar organization Right. Cause I mean, what did, didn't the Dodgers just sell like 2 billion or something? It's 20 million to a billion, even on the low end for any, pretty much any of these franchises. But give me a break. And they use that. All those companies are used as pass through organizations for them to build wealth on other fronts, invest in properties, invest in businesses, invest in everything. They use the franchise and the value of the franchise as their own personal, uh, uh, ATM really that's what they do you know it's like what the fuck do you need a higher percentage for all the time you why do you need everybody and by the way owners unless I'm mistaken right do owners ever age out are you ever too old to be I think Jerry Reinsdorf is too old to be an owner maybe but no players have a very limited window to perform and do this job owners could own forever the fuck are they so worried about? Where's their urge? Why do they need such urgency to make more and to pull in all this extra revenue immediately after signing a deal and trying to screw over those people? How in the world is anybody in this current environment on the side of the owners? I'm not saying the player association's right. They shouldn't get everything they're asking for. No, but this is fucking crazy. It's gotten just crazy. The amount of greed, and some of these franchises that goes back to the White Sox thing, the fact that the Marlins and the Royals and the Twins are going to pay $40 million top on payroll, but the fucking Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers are going to spend $200 million on payroll. It's just not competitive any longer. Every play, I'm sick of my favorite teams. You kind of went through it with the Giants, right? Except the Giants came out of nowhere to be competitive last year and got Chris Bryant late. They were actually a buyer, which is astounding. But I mean, even the Giants are a big money team. Like, aren't you tired of grooming players to hope if they get very, very good and you get you develop the next big star that they automatically go to the Red Sox, Yankees, or Dodgers? Doesn't that, or maybe the Cardinals in certain situations? Isn't that just frustrating to the other 24 have-nots in Major League Baseball? Well, I'm sure it is. There's a lot. I mean, you said enough that we could spend the next seven hours just on that last <laughs> statement. I mean, there's a lot that's in there. Yeah. Um, there is there is this debate, and it's framed this way. It's framed that from the owner's perspective. If you want to get paid more money when you're young, we need more control on the end. Okay. 
So that means we need to keep the arbitration clock the way it is, or we need to, you know, set up rules for salary caps or whatever, because we can't have you making money early and also making money on the back end, right? That's the argument they make. The players say, look, we're in essence, not a slave, but we're tied to you for six or seven years, including our minor league time. It might be 10 years, right? And at the 10th year, I'm going to make as much money as I can. I don't care who pays me, right? So there's that tug and pull between the owners and the players having completely different, because like you said, the owner can own the team at 78, having that completely different point of views. Is it good for the sport to have a star level player be on five teams over the course of his career? Not really. I don't think so. No. I mean, I think it's great when you have, if Mike, like Mike Trout as an example, plays his whole career with the Angels. Like, I think that's great. You know, and it's rare in sports today. If you're a fan of a smaller market team, and your team doesn't have the resources to spend, at least on the same level as the top end guys, we got a problem. Now, the real issue is, is the falling, in my opinion. As far as I know, the Braves, who, by the way, Liberty owns the Braves. Liberty used to be my boss when I worked at Fanball back in the day. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Different Liberty. Oh, but yeah. oh yeah. Um, a lot of Liberty. Yeah, um, Liberty Media. Um, yeah. QVC and all that kind of stuff. Did they own Sirius or don't they currently own Sirius? They, they, yeah, yeah. And back in the day, it was funny. I would get my letterhead and it would say Fanball in the corner. And then it would say Atlanta Braves on the top, say QVC. And these people must have been thinking, what the hell is Fanball? These billion dollar companies. And here we are right. in our little $4 million company. <laughs> um, but the reason I bring this up is because the Braves are a public company. So everyone knows the Braves financial situation because it's part of SEC and they have to... You know, we have no idea going what you're talking about, Jeff. We have no idea what the owners make. No idea. No one knows. Okay. What we do know is we have the Braves as kind of a model and you can extrapolate off that. What we do know is that there's revenue sharing. We know that there's gambling money coming in. We know that there's merchandise coming in. We know that the league is now growing its digital footprint. We know that the league is increasing its uh, media, like in terms of TV and all that kind of stuff. So they're inarguably making more money with all of that than they used to. And they're sharing it. So every team does, we know, get millions and millions of dollars each year. So no team should be spending $40 million. Every team should be spending more than that. What the owners are apparently choosing to do is to make a profit, which again is their right, right? It's their right yeah. to do it. Oh, yeah. But they, I think more so than an upper end cap, which I've always had a little bit of an issue with. I like free market economies and all that. There should be a lower end cap, especially now oh, because yeah. there is the revenue sharing in place. Teams shouldn't be allowed to just stuff money in their pockets. They should be forced for the level playing field to reinvest it for the field. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> absolutely agree with you. Um, it, it just comes down to... Like you said, we could talk about the nuances here forever. Fundamental thing is greed and the amount of greed. Everyone wants to be greedy. Everyone wants theirs, right? I, we all get that. It's capitalism. It's understood. But there's a, le a level and there's what we pay for it. That's the part I also hate from all sports is they've really forgotten how important the fans are and how important, you know, every, for everything that we buy from extra inning packages and Sunday tickets to, you know, jerseys and every fucking thing that they sell a license to Remember, they get fees, all of those licenses, everything. You know, my son has 50 million 
MLB magnetic standing boards and flags and you know all these little toys and all these things that fuck man. I mean, just the amount of money brought in isn't just like I think our simpleton minds of sports fans, all of us that we think, oh, how many tickets are sold? And that attendance is what brings in money. No, attendance doesn't even factor in. I did a study, you know, back the NFL holdout years ago, right? And it was like, I think it was between six to 8% of their revenue is attendance based. Yeah. I mean, it's barely anything you could not. And again, that's why, why do you think everybody in 2020 yet didn't have any fans at any football games and they're fine, fine. And the salary cap went up, not just a little, it went up like only 8%. Oh no, (laughs) come on. And not one person paid for a fucking ticket. God, I mean, they don't need fans. They get money. You mentioned the digital footprints and now gambling and all these different partnerships. It's incredible. It's just incredible. And they also, I think there's another study of baseball teams have gone up. I think it was 14.3% per year for, for owning a baseball team. The value of the owners, the league and each property is like four on average, 14% going up. Like, come you mean, on, man. you mean the commissioner lied when he said they could have invested in the, in the stock market and done in the stock enough? market. What a fucking wow. idiot. Yeah, Rob Manfred, again, another spokesperson for the owners. And it's just, there's anytime you're going to be this greedy, man, it just, it will backfire. And I think it's happening now. And the fans, I, I want to see fun, young, exciting players. That's what everybody wants. Realistically, I want to see Ray's uh, 11th round pick, Brendan Rogers, swat 40 home runs for the Rockies this season. I want to see Fernando Tatis go out there and ball out. I want to, you know, I want to see some of these youngsters, you know, I see Bobby Witt Jr., uh, you know, uh, um, Adley Russian. I want to see him. I want to see some you know, new stars and some things we never saw before. Like that's the exciting thing. That's what draws us. That's what draws us in. And uh, the owners think we're drawn in because they have a nice skyline to their stadium. Yeah. But you know, and I think something happened in this, it's particularly in baseball mm-hmm. with COVID and I don't understand it. You know, we were going through this during, you remember the, the listeners probably remember too. Like we, we were very nervous as to what the world was going to be like. There was a period of time where like, it was a doomsday scenario. Like we thought, oh shit. Like, right, done. and then we got past that. So we knew we were all going to die. Right. Then it was like, what is the landscape? Cause you know, I always joke around growing up. There's always sports right? right. on holidays, on days off. I'm always working. You're always mm-hmm. working. Cause there's always sport. We didn't know if there was going to be sports. I mean, we joked about it. We did camel racing in the chat room at, at elite sports. I mean, it was, yes, totally. We, this is a true story. Yeah. And you know, something happened then where baseball owners lost, I think, the reason for their being. And by that, I mean the following. Sports are supposed to be the outlet from the shit we all deal with all the time. Sports is supposed to be at the end of the day. I had a crappy day at work. I got a fight with my old lady. My boss yelled at me. I, I got, you know, I got a parking ticket. But you know what? I'm going to go home tonight. And I'm going to watch the Rangers and A's. I'm going to have a beer and it's going to be okay. Like where, how did the owners lose that? Now it's a business. Now money's in people's faces. Now arguments are in people's faces. Everyone's pissed off everywhere. You've been commenting on this for two years. Everyone's pissed off all the time. Sports is supposed to be the outlet 
And unfortunately, it's become like everything else, and that's depressing. Yeah, very depressing. You're right. It's not. And that's, you know, it goes to another point and something that we're doing. Uh, you do it. You've done it always. I've always done it. We, I want to disclose one of the secrets of our success in fantasy sports, betting, daily fantasy, all that stuff, and our analysis, quite frankly. I, I think that you and I share definitely this common thread, and that's our belief in history. I believe there's a lot to learn from history. I don't believe that because something was done before means we have to do it the same. I don't believe that. I just believe in knowing how things have evolved people, land, business, sports, what you can name a topic, religion, anything you want, fucking healthcare, right? Watch, know the history of it, know what's been done and, and, and then understand where we are currently in that, I guess, ecosystem, marketplace, mm -hmm. what, what have you, right? So, and baseball is a great example. And again, it goes into the football stuff. And we'll talk a little bit later on about why we go back through the, I'm doing this last 12 year thing. And I didn't want to go back too far because I think, Go back to the 90s, we start realizing that the game's changed significantly. Now, I think a lot of sports have changed, and that's technology, the type of athletes. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster. They, you know, they don't have part-time jobs, all that shit. So that's why 12 years is what I'm going through for my uh, uh, fantasy football stuff. But I think Major League Baseball's got that problem right now, too, where in 1982, it was America's pastime. It was what everybody loved. We all grew up with it. Everybody played Little League. Everything, baseball, going to games. Man, getting a ticket for a baseball game. It was like the greatest thing in the world, right? I'd go to the Comiskey Park, and it'd be pretty jammed, and the White Sox sucked. Go watch Reed Nichols miss a fly ball, you know, in left field. Like, fucking, you know, it was a different thing. So we wanted more and more and more and more. And we consumed the product because it was hot. And it's, you know, actors go through this, bands go through this, singers go through this, models go through this, businesses go through this. Baseball's just not wanted the way it used to be. And thus it needs to stop growing in, in this way, not as a business, but it, stop, stop. we don't need all the minor leagues. We don't need a billion games. We don't need an eight month season. We don't need all of this. Go back to what you do very well. And I go, I look at playoff baseball, right? And I'm like, why the fuck can't it be like this all the time? Every pitch, that's exciting, right? Every pitch is hanging on and, and everybody's executing to the highest degree, moving runners over, uh, you know, getting the bigger lead, everything, every little facet of the game that we love is magnifying the playoffs and why can't it should be like that all year, but it's not. We rest everybody and NBA is going through this. NFL's going through that. We're resting people. We need rest. You know, the stars don't play unless it's a big game. If you could find a way to take them out of the game early because you're winning by too much or out of the game, starting pitchers. If they're losing by too much, if you're winning by too much, if it's not an important game of the season, if you could win without disappointment, tanking to get higher draft picks or whatever, or to lose salary in the case of major league baseball. Like it, it's really become nuts. We just, it, you know, football is 
on the same stretch of road the baseball was on in 1980s, where football now is the king, and they want to grow and grow and grow. And we laugh about, like, man, football controls the narrative 365 days a year, and it's almost – but it's gotten even – you know, who I've said, yeah, keep growing. Even I say, all right, this is a little much. All right, we don't need every single day, right? We do need some time to – you know, give the limelight to little other things. And, you know, otherwise you just get way beyond your means. You forget who you're, who are the people that support your businesses, what they want to see, what they, what the modern version of that is. And I think it all goes back to just not knowing the history a little bit, you know, just not being aware and not knowing the history and not knowing where you fit. Does this make sense? At all, do you, Ray, or am I just babbling? No, I, I, I do think it makes sense. And, you know, those that don't know history are doomed to repeat it. It's a, it's a common adage that everyone's heard at some point, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a balancing act because today isn't the same as the past, right? So you can't just do what we used to do. Right. You know? yeah, it's right. Not, but you have to understand where you came from. You have to understand the baseline. You have to understand the context. Yes. And I, I don't think enough people do that in day-to-day life. I certainly don't think, as we're talking baseball, none of the people in power in baseball are doing that, certainly. Um, and it's a, I think it's an overarching problem kind of with society in general, if we're being honest. Um, I feel good about hearing you say that because growing up, history was always my favorite subject. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, you know, and, and that's probably- I love my- history too. Yeah. And like, so then I go, my kids are like, oh God, oh, I hate history. Now I say, that's okay. You know, it's all right to hate history, but you still should know it. Right. You know, um, you know, and, and I mean, here, here's for an example, here's how real it can be. I'm going to turn real for a moment. Um, I, I, it's funny. I was uh, bringing my son to basketball practice the other day. Right. And he knows the whole family knows I'm having surgery, but they don't really, the older kids know, but he didn't know, but he asked me directly, what are you having surgery on? Like he, you know, what, what's, what's the surgery? Like he didn't, he doesn't get it. He's 11 years old. Doesn't really know. And I had to tell him, said, you know, kid, this, you know, I have surgery on the colon and where the colon is and in the ass. You know, it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, you got uh, I know, right? That. Right. Yeah. But I, I actually, you know, had to have a conversation with him because mm-hmm. males in my family, it turns out like my grandfather, he had, uh, um, they never diagnosed it, but they believed, you know, he died like 58, my dad's dad. Um, and they say the heart attack, but yeah, they, they had, found what they call polyps on his colon at that time. Um, my dad had colon cancer as well. I found this mask due to a routine sort of colonoscopy and getting checked out. This is something it's in your bloodline. You need to know, you need to be aware. It's important to know a lot of this stuff are in our genes. If you're prone to heart attacks, you're prone to brain issues and things as disease like Alzheimer's and things like that, muscular uh, um diseases and afflictions as well. Like a lot of this stuff, my brother was born a dwarf that runs in our family. Uh, Everybody who's had kids in our family have had to have testing for that just in case, you know, um, just so we know what's going on. That's history, man. You don't have to like, everything doesn't have to be the same. Everything isn't the same. You don't have to do whatever it is, but you have to be aware of it. And my son, this next generation has to be aware that men in our family, you know, have had to deal with this problem and found this. So he has to, you have to be aware. The more you're aware of it, the more you can nip it in the bud. And I I tell you, I hope everything goes well for 
you know, the, this whole thing. If it does, it's because my father went through it and I was on top of it and I was there with him. I remember, and I remember him getting radiation and treatments and all that shit. So without that, without knowing that, even though they say, okay, men of 40, you should have a routine colonoscopy. Do you think I really would have? No fucking way. I know me. I wouldn't have done it. I would, if, if I had healthy parents and stuff, you know, I wouldn't even fucking think of it. I'd be doing fucking cocaine and drinking booze and the all drugs are fun. What was your drugs? Is, and, what's your statement? You always say drugs, drugs are fun. Drugs are fun. Drugs like are that. great, but don't do them. <laughs> don't do them. Yeah. I don't, I mean, the, well, you know what? That's another side of it. And I don't want to get, I, I mean, the personal stuff. Some people like it. Some people don't. I'll say, right. You know, I love alcohol. Oh, I, mean, I really do. You've seen it, right? You've been with me. My family, my dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. Um, my brothers both have or are currently alcoholics. Sister, alcoholic. You know, um, you know, and you know, I don't mean that kind of, in this condescending way. It's a, it's a real disease, and I know. That's why I, I make I make light of it by calling myself Frank the Tank, and because I get the booze and I feel it. Like it's a, it's a difference. Like there's not, it's not like, you know, some people who drink booze, like you probably can drink and it's like, yeah, I feel, you know, no, I start going and it's like, it's hard to stop. So that's why I don't really do. I don't drink a lot anymore. It's not, I'm not going to be uptight and not drink, but I am cognizant, always aware. I'm like, I need to rein it in because I'm the, I will be fucking belly dancing on a, you know, at a road show in Tijuana. If I'm let loose if I'm not aware. And that's because I, I know it because how it takes over me and how I've seen the bad stuff that's happened to my brothers and um, never met my grandfather. I was dead before I was alive. And my father who was an alcoholic before he got cancer. And my dad was a different person before the booze or what he was on the booze. And then when he went dry after that, once he got cancer and he completely went sober, it was like, this is a different human being. And I sort of recognize the same tendencies in myself. And again, these are very real, very serious things, but it's also history and being aware of the history. And I'm not cutting out booze, right? But I'm aware. And you don't have to, you don't have to make radical changes because of something that happened in the past, but being aware of it is, is the different. It can be a massive difference in your life and both health wise and in business and relationships and friendships, right? All these different things that we take for granted, mental health, um, all of it. I, I think knowing the history, knowing these things, at, be, at least being aware can really help us out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, my personal story too, I won't go into depth with it either, but I'll just say this, that, um, everyone out there. Cocaine. Oh, yeah. No, no. Uh, I don't do drugs. I don't know that answer. Um, <laughs> but get a, get a, you know, physical every year. Yeah. You know, it's yes. not, no, no one enjoys the bend over and, you know, Oh no, dude. no one enjoys that. Okay. No, no, no. But it can save your life. Well, some people, some of us enjoy it. It's, well, yeah, I guess that's, you know, it depends. I shouldn't that's, type test everyone. Yeah, this goes back into how much I'm drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, that's, I, to me, that's, you know, yeah. I'm a relatively healthy guy and everything. And I was like, I went in and got a physical yeah, and I saved my life too. So, yep. you know, everyone 
it, it's it's takes you an hour one once a year. Everyone, and, hey, it's it's something everybody's insurance actually covers too. Yeah, How about that? Free. Yeah, Just you don't go have in. To actually pay. You yeah. actually get a real physical and mm-hmm. really do it. That's and damn, that's the truth. But you know, in it's it's funny because learning from history is important and knowing the history is important. And I, right now in sports, I see the parallels between like football and baseball specifically. And I think there's a wild card. That's the NBA that I think the NBA is really, it's on the come as far as popularity with the younger audiences, not that they don't have their own problems. I mean, super teams and uh, losing on purpose, all that shit. Uh, Obviously very big problems in the NBA, but it's the game that a lot of younger folks, including my son and a lot of his friends. And, you know, you, you see the youth participation numbers and, you know, those aren't little league games that your parents force the kids to play. Play your play the traveling team. Oh, my. Cause I didn't make the traveling team. So like, Oh shit. Uh, you know, the NBA is on the coming and football's at its peak right now. Baseball was at its peak when we were younger and then football's going to fall off because they're going to oversaturate. And we're going to, you know, 20 years, God willing, you and I are still doing this podcast. Ray, what do you think? The NFL, remember when it was king? We're going to be doing the same thing. It's the same shit. And I wish baseball would realize that and just get back to it. Get down to the fundamentals. Young player, you can't hold players out of the league anymore. Like that, that those days are over. I, I know why we used to do it and I get it. But it's just, <laughs> you can't do it. Adley Rushman is how old? 25 years old? Isn't he? No, I've been he- hearing about this fucking kid for a decade. I swear to God, I have. Am I wrong? No, he's not that old. Let's look up okay. how old he is. I'm going to say he's 23. Oh, he's 24. He just turned 24 a couple of days ago, actually. Yep. Right in between us. I was exaggerating, but 20, I think 20. If I would have actually guessed, I think I would have said 23, which is old for a prospect. But being the fact that he's 24, like, come on. Come on. Right? Come on. Should be playing. Like well, these guys in the in the league, like you know, the fact that he's sitting down at like single A, fucking around, like come, give me a break, right? Just dominating, hitting four hundred. Come on, it, it's tough because, and you know this too, of all the the four major sports, baseball is the one that theoretically you could have the least physical talent at and still be good at. Right. You got to be mm-hmm. a certain height. You got to be a certain so, size. Yeah. You got to have certain speed to play these other, you know, that's you know, okay. football, basketball in particular. Right. Yep. So you can develop and there is something to be said for players developing out of the limelight against, you know, inferior competition. But when you're at Adley Rushman and you're, you know, the number one pick in the country and you're, there's an argument in the scouting community is your defense ahead of your offense. Like you're so good on both sides of the ball. It's like, ah, you know, and everyone who's ever seen you play since you were six knew you were going to be a pro baseball player. Mm-hmm. Does he really need all the? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, he he didn't he he, didn't, he went to college. No, this is not an eighteen. Especially kid. that like a yeah. guy goes to college. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, big difference. The same with NBA and NFL. Mm-hmm. If you play two or three years, the way college athletics are now even at the baseball level or the very big business we talk about even like all the, I, I, I shit on parents all the time, but man, you sports way more cutthroat than it ever was. Like you said, you know who the stars are, you know, who's going to get a chance. I'm all about give, making them sit a year. You guys sit in the minor league. You got to grind it out. Let's see what you're worth. Let's see what you can do, do it for a year, but you can't spend four, three, four years in the minor leagues because you haven't paid your time. 
and because you know, the service time clock and all this bullshit. That's nonsense. And it's bad for fans because I want to see these guys and I want to see them in their prime. I want to see them before their bodies break down or before they have to start injecting themselves with God knows what or putting God knows what on the baseball in order to stay ahead. I want to see them in their prime. And it's very interesting, too, because age studies are I mean, they're not conclusive. Right. But when we were younger, what Mm -hmm. did we hear? We heard third year breakout in football Mm -hmm. and we heard 27 years old in baseball. That's what we heard. Mm -hmm. Right. The age studies are starting to show that the peak for baseball players is before that. And there's some studies that even suggest 25 might be the number where you're physically all here, but you know enough and your body, you know, all this, it's the combination. And so we, I mean, just, just think about this and this is not a direct parallel and okay, but Mike Trout, who is, I don't know, is he the best player in baseball? He's been in that conversation for the last decade, right? Right there. Technically, Mike Trout's best season was his first full year in baseball in 2012. Right, right, right. Right? He's never yeah. been statistically as good again. Nope. So, so this idea that, like you're saying, we're going to keep guys down in the minor leagues when they're 23, 24, 25. 40 years ago, okay. Today, we're trending to the zone where, you know, if you're 24 and you're an elite athlete, which Rushman is, yep. you are p- potentially burning – like you're saying, Jeff, some of his best potential in the minor leagues. What's the sense in that? They, by the way, the it's fat that history, right? 2012, not that long ago. Mike Trout. The only reason that was the year he was second MVP because Cabrera went triple crown, right? Wasn't that the only reason? And in that case, in that season, he was in the minor leagues for the first three weeks yeah, because of the fucking service time. It, it, it was the only reason. I mean, if 30, not, 50 otherwise, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you could have gone 40, 50, you know, realistically, you don't know. It goes on a hot streak. I mean, you really took away a monster, even a bigger season because why? There is no why. The only reason why is, well, we had to keep them down to stop the service clock in order to save a couple bucks here on the back end. It's just... I get it. And I grew up in a different time. Pay your dues, make sure it's your, you know, your thing, but every, these athletes, they're so clear. It's so easy to identify somebody who's going to be a pro athlete than it used to be, you know, the haves and have nots. I always joke about my son's thing and like, they're, they're like, everybody sucks basically. And then there's a one kid that you're like, Oh God, that kid's playing D one basketball probably won't make an NBA, but he's, he's just, you know, you just know it. And I, by the way, my son plays with several current and former athletes, kids as well. Um, I would protect, you know, their names as a result, but you know, I know, I know Ray knows them and, but you know, and it's a, it's a monster difference. It's just, you know, athletically, you just see it. It's just a monster difference. So um, yeah, those, those are the real problems, but yeah, by all means keep fighting over peanuts and, and we'll see where this major league baseball season goes. Now you had a draft just the other day, Ray flowers, mm-hmm. the labor mixed league draft. Uh, we talked about on Sirius XM a little bit. I ripped on you a little bit for taking a picture in the first round of Garrett Colts, a 15 round draft, 20, 15 team, 29 rounds, which I don't know. I've done these a hundred times or a million times probably. And it just, when you were drafting the other night, 
I, I couldn't believe how long it took. And that's something as far as changes that need to happen to fantasy baseball, that's something that I was like, wow, it's, I got 15 things done in the time you were drafting. It's just too much. Well, I think the, football drafts are too much sometimes and they right. take two hours, right. four hours of drafting, three hours, baseball. Fine. But I think we're pushing it with the four hour stuff. Well, and we have to, to draft that big. Yeah, I mean, it was three hours and about 45 minutes because we started a little late because of the broadcast on Sirius. But for this group, in my experience in expert leagues, that's pretty fast. Yeah, they move very well. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Now, and, and I'm, I'm like you with this. Like, I, to me, you're a professional in this space. It shouldn't take you 60 seconds, 90 seconds to make a pick. Okay. Right. It's not an auction. We're sitting there. You have 10 minutes between your picks. Like what, what do you, so I, I, I'm like you, it's like, let's go 30 seconds. Let's go. Like it shouldn't take that long. So I've always been frustrated with the, the duration, but the, the point is that I think it's very representative time, whether it's experts or people listening, doing a draft. Um, and you know, when you talk about a 29 round draft versus football is usually what 16. So we're, we're, we're yep. basically doubling the size doubling of the draft, almost, almost, yeah. you know, when you drafting in football, you know, kicker defense, no one really cares, you know, so th- there's not a lot baseball. We've got, you know, hitters, we've got pitchers, we've got categories. We're trying to fill. It's just, it is more labor intensive. It has to be based upon the way it's set up, but that does create a scenario, which like you're saying, it takes twice as long. That's too long for some people to even contemplate doing it. And for people that do do it, I mean, it burns like a whole day. It is a yeah. lot of work. It, it is a lot. That's, that's the thing with uh, fancy baseball. And I'm not saying I'm not against work and putting in effort and all that kind of stuff, but to between the draft and then every week, the ridiculous amount of time I have to spend doing waivers, you know, where it's not like football football, we still do it once a week, but it's, it's just, we only have that one game to react to. And we're not stuck with it for the next, you know, long period of time. It's just a different animal in, in baseball and doing waivers. It takes a lot. It is a grind. Not to mention, you know, it happens in summer when everybody's out and the weather's nice and, you know, it's a lot different than there. I'm trying um, to enjoy Hawaii, Jeff. Come on. I'm trying to enjoy Hawaii and you're fucking, you know, got to do waivers though <laughs> yeah. at uh, one o'clock in the morning uh, deadline. So anyway, it just, you know, that's why I think, and Ray and I have come up with a lot of ways and our draft guide to fantasyguru.com says uh, ways to condense the season or just make it a little more easier for the common player or to attract, you know, more people to play. And I think if we did that, we'd see a lot more excitement in the game. And plus it's like giving them the crack for free, right? It's like giving me a sip of whiskey and give me a little bit of makers. And that's the Ted Schuster thing, by the way, which, you know, bad friend. Just take a sip, Jeff. Just take a sip. Just a sip. He'll get me one. Just a vodka Red Bull. Just one one makers. And then he knows. Ah, goes crazy. That's what you find people. Let people play at the lowest levels. Football does this well. You could play very simple office league fantasy football. It's, you know, whatever. But you could also play super high, intense IDP you know, type of leagues and that range allows people to get in and find, you know, their spot. Whereas baseball, man, it's like, all right, you're in, you got a, it's a commitment for playing. I always used to joke in the FSTA drafts, we drafted in January and, you know, October is when the uh, season would end. And I'd be like, this is a full-term pregnancy. 
We have nine months with this team. That's a long time. It's a real long time. Oh, by the way, look, can we say that? Here's something I want to bring up that I did. We didn't get to on Sirius XM. Slow drafts. Mm-hmm. You hate them. I hate them. I, I just got to say, you motherfuckers, you rotten ass motherfuckers with your East Coast time zone. This fucking thing. It should 11 p.m. Eastern time. You should is is the cutoff to make the last pick, and it should start at 8 a.m. Eastern time as well. You're telling me we can't if you live on the West Coast like Ray does, like I do, that 8 p.m. is too late to make a pick, and that we if we're on the clock at 5 a.m. before the sun is even up, before the fucking roosters crowing. Really, you guys? I mean, give me a fucking no. No, how about East Coast people be adults? How about that? How about it's a 2 a.m. cutoff? How about that? 1 a.m. cutoff. And then you start at 10 a.m. if you're doing that. Not to mention, I mean, the whole slow draft thing is a disaster. Like, it should just be an auto draft. Everybody knows. Like, there's always maybe once you, you get caught where it's the very end and, or the very beginning or something right? Where you can't, you don't want to necessarily fill a queue with seven, eight guys, right? I get that. But even if that happens to all of us one time, these drafts still could go a lot faster. If you just use your queue, use the auto draft feature, plug in a couple of guys, you know, between your working hours, whatever they are, East coast or West coast, you know, all right, my picks coming up in, you know, three, four hours, three to six hours here today. I'm going to plug in three, four guys here. Right. In order of uh, like that, it's very reasonable, but this is irresponsible to say that 8 p.m. Pacific time and 5 a.m. is the is when drafts shut off and start. That's absolute bullshit. It's an absolute hosing to West Coast people. Yeah. And we were joking about this earlier. I'm like, you know, since the 1600s, it's always been about the East Coast. Like we do live out here on the West Coast. Hello. Hello. Like there are, you know, there's a lot of people out here in California. What? 35, 40 million, whatever the hell it is. Um, yeah, I've always fought this too, because this is constant. You know, I get the East Coast people we work with or whatever, calling calling you at five in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm in bed. It's five in the morning. What do you think I'm doing? Like, it's it's really, but for me, um, I've always said this. I detest slow drafts. I detest them. If you can't sit down for four hours, don't do it league. That's my, because I, I'm maybe I'm different. I know Jeff, you and I look at waivers different and we obviously mm-hmm. look at a bunch of things differently, but I don't want to have to be distracted all day while I'm trying to do work by a draft or while I'm trying to go out, you know, for the, for the weekend for vacation or trying to get away for the day to the beach. I don't, I don't want to have to be distracted, but I just want to do the draft. If I can't sit down for four hours on a Thursday night, well, then I should do a different league. Right. You know, I, that's just how I look at it. Cause I, and you're in these drafts and they go really quickly and then they go slow. And your draft ends up taking 28 flipping days. <laughs> and what happens through this process is, and this is another problem I have with it. Part of being in the fantasy game, in, in my opinion, is having to make that decision in 60 or 90 seconds. Anyone, right. if they have four hours, can go research everything. And that wipes out all the advantage the person that knows mm-hmm. has. You completely wipe out their advantage. Yep. Even worse than that, let's say you're doing a draft, you're doing a draft, you're doing a draft. Because the draft goes for so long, you get breaking news that so-and-so blew their arm out yep. and so-and-so is now the closer. 
whoever's on the clock in round 29 just got a free closer. Yeah. Just because it happened to be the random point in time that the news co- coexisted with their draft pick. There's so many problems with it, Jeff. Yeah, man, there really is. And uh, you're right. I don't like slow drafts. I will put up with them. I'm okay with them. Ray brought, brings up very valid points and stuff. I'm, I'm again, it's like anything. You can do them, but you have to, you have to make them good for everybody and you should force people into action. And as long as it's reasonable and if it's not for you, then as Ray says, don't do them real simple. I just don't do it. And too many, too often I get hoodwinked into these with, especially in expert leagues. And they're like, Oh, will you do this league? And I'm like, sure. If you say no, you're an asshole. If you say yes. And then they're like, all right, it's at, it's from like, you know, whatever it's the Christmas week where, you know, and you got 14 seconds per pick, but we're doing it through email. And you're like, wait, what, what the fuck? Why all these crazy rules sit down, hammered out two hours, boom. Or in case of like a 15 T 29 bangs out in seven and a half hours. No yeah, <laughs> same, same thing like that. Uh, there you go. By the way, a uh, real quick, your labor league draft, mm-hmm. Ray flowers. You start out Garrett Cole, Freddie Freeman, Trevor story. We've talked about this on the XM show. Not a fan of pitching early. Uh, boy, I, I just hope it works out. I have no faith in a pitcher. I would not take a pitcher especially a, a starter anytime before, I don't know, probably around six or seven. That's just my philosophy. You kind of fell into that um, hole with Garrett Cole, which is definitely a good arm to have. Then you took Freeman and Trevor story, both free agents. And I know we touched on that as well in the, on the XM show, but for the podcast listeners, you know, how trustworthy can we be of current free agents out there in major league baseball from a fantasy perspective? Yeah. There are hundreds of free agents. Um, still, if you go and talk about all the, the minor league, do you have the exact there. number? No, it's hundreds because yeah, it's more. Okay. yeah, because that includes like guys at minor league kind of players too. guys okay, might've been in triple yeah. a last year, not just the pro, you know, the guys in the majors, it's hundreds mm-hmm. of players. And the biggest concern I had, and we discussed this on the, the series XM show too, is how this is going to affect bullpens. Because there are there's teams that don't have quote unquote a closer. There's tons of arms that are available. Their teams are going to sign these guys. Maybe they work into the ninth inning, you know, naturally. Maybe they get paired up with someone else because the team wants to do a combo thing anyway. So that I'm really nervous about how the, the that free agent market impacts the relievers. Um, Canley Jansen's not even on the team right now, right? It's another right. guy that's going to obviously be a closer wherever he goes. Um, in terms of guys like Freeman, Story, you know, Correa, these big high end guys. They are who they are, you know, and I, I don't you, you never know how the mental aspect is going to be. You know, if a guy, Freddie Freeman's been with the team forever and his family's there, his kids there, his house is there, his life is there. If he's not in Atlanta, how is that going to affect him? Is his wife going to go with him? Is a kid going to go with him? You know, they got to everyone's going to be in scramble mode here because it's, it's all going to happen fast. Right. Really fast. So you're gonna have to find a place to live. All, no one knows how that's going to affect the players. But in terms of when Freddie Freeman's on the field and there's a pitcher throwing him the ball, I expect him to lock in and hit 300 with 30 home runs. I think in the case of Trevor Story, I expect him to hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bases. Now, maybe it's 250. You know, I'm not expecting him to push 300 without cores. But I, again, I think he's still that player baseline wise. And so when we're talking those upper end guys, I tend to be less concerned about it, Jeff. But that does not mean look at Francisco Lindor. 
it does not mean a guy going to a new place with the new pressures and the new environment is automatically going to have success. Ray had an article, has an article over at fantasyguru.com, sort of like end game or middle of the draft, like goes through everything that, uh, you know, his diary during the draft, what he was thinking on the things. I love to read these in draft stuff because uh, it gives you a great insight of what you should be looking at and, you know, even mistakes that are made and, you know, in hindsight, so on and so forth. I was really excited about crucifying Ray with the first three picks. Like I like Freeman. There's not, I can say there Cole uh, story. Uh, and I was like, all right, this going to be some good radio the next day. And then he fucking fills in the rest of his team with just, just absolute bangers. So good of picks. And one of them, and we brought this up on the serious show a little bit, Brendan Rogers, and um, we didn't get, I was like ready to, but we, we are super late. I'm terrible with breaks. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm, he can steal bases. I know he hasn't. Mm-hmm. And I know it was a leg injury that he has suffered a while ago, but this guy, I mean, he did double digits in the minor leagues yeah. several times. Mm-hmm. He absolutely can. And I'm, I'm like, this is Trevor's story. And a, yeah, not as many steals. Totally understand. But I, I'm telling you, man, I think Ray protect himself in the 11th round massively when story falls off. If he goes to another team, I think as Ray articulated, like the power number probably goes down, even the batting average a little bit, but his not steals could go up. And if he's a better lineup, his runs scored RBIs could go up, you know, there's that trade off. And then he's got Brandon Rogers, who basically can fill into the same role. That's could very well put up the same power numbers that he got in the 11th round. So I just like, that is what they call master class in sort of protecting your ass and knowing like, all right, I took some risk here, but I'm backfilling it in these other rounds. And then you've got guys, you know, veterans that know everyone's bored of Altuve Bregman. You know, they're down because they had one bad year. Reese Hoskins, who I'm like, God, this guy's a great hitter. I don't care what anybody fucking says. Uh, Tyler Molly and, you know, Suarez, Eugenio Suarez and Chris Paddock, who's got electric stuff you got in the 17th round. So it was a really good draft. And I was like, oh, man, I really want to go at Ray in the first couple of picks. But you did well in the, in the second uh, or the rest of it. <laughs> You're going to be very competitive. You had to feel pretty good after the draft, right? Yeah, and the article's free over at the site. So anyone goes to Fantasy Guru, they can read oh, yeah, the article. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, for what it's worth, and we always laugh at these things. I only looked because what the hell, there's a tab there. But um, according to the Fantasy Pros projections for the league, Uh-oh. I'm going to finish in Uh-oh. second. Woo, nice. According to the Fantasy Alarm projections, I'm going to finish Uh-oh. first. Oh, boom. Which is probably a kiss of death being first Let's and second. Go. There. You're dead. Yeah. yeah you're, but, you're, you're basically dead on arrival. Anytime yeah, you're given a draft grade of an A yeah. or projected for first, that means you're dead. Totally. Um, so. But, you know, I mean, it's, I, I did feel good about the way it came down. And like you said, I did, the only part of my write up that wasn't written in real time was the first round because I wanted to dive in and explain the, the Garrett Cole piece because that's not my plan. Uh, the rest of the draft, all 29 rounds other than that are all live. I did it all right as the draft was occurring. And, I, you know, I thought it, it turned out well. And, um, you know, it's one of those things you never know how it's going to play out and everything. But I got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I do like the Rodgers pick, too, just to put a bow on it. Um, this guy was a, you know, top 25 prospect in baseball. Oh, yeah. I think everyone. Oh this, yeah. This is not, you know, some guy that oh, this, this he was a better prospect than Trevor Story ever was. And 
not only does he bring the bat, not only does he bring course field, he's my middle infielder. And he also qualifies at both middle yes. infield spots, second base both. and shortstop. So I got not just the Huge. coverage at shortstop. I've also got it in case I needed it at second base. Yeah. I mean, I, I am always blown away. Now this is a difference between like the industry and the high stakes community, which now nowadays they're kind of becoming one in the same. They're sort of like, you can't, there's no differences here. It's weird, but the industry for whatever it's worth, fantasy baseball people just really don't understand the impact of course field still. And I cannot understand it. I mean, how obvious was last, last year we talked about, um, Last year was uh, uh, CJ Crone, right? Mm-hmm. Going to Colorado. And we're like, oh my God. Anybody knew anything that this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna, you know, have a fucking massive season. I, for me, I forgot what, how many, uh, and what, 32 home runs or whatever it he was. was on our Sirius XM host team that we did together. Yes. Yes. And so it was sort of Shohei Otani, like, you know, but, um, but like CJ Crone, come on, man. That was fucking easy. Like that should have been really easy for everybody. And he was a guy who was going in like the 12th, 13th, 14th round. Like what? Come on, man. And you got a middle infielder with that skill set in Coors Field now with nobody, nothing but playing time. Injuries could happen. Absolutely. But it that's a slam bang pick. Just an absolute, you know, and it's weird to me. Like it doesn't, people don't, the industry people don't seem to catch on to that. But I know as a daily fantasy baseball player, and I play a lot more daily than I do seasonal these days, like I'm good. We're going to be buying in on these motherfuckers every day. And you're going to give us discount at $3,000. Brendan Rogers day in and day out. He's going to be in our lineup and core four every day. So of course it makes sense in the 11th round. So just a, you know, something that people don't pick up on very often. Again, check out that article, fantasyguru.com. Do you want to hit on a little bit of football here before we let people go? What'd you make of the Aaron Rodgers situation, Ray Flowers, where the um, yeah, he's thanking everybody, evidently came out of an ayahuasca. That's a hallucinogenic drug for those who aren't, aren't aware. Uh, it came out of one of those comas and he's thanking his ex-fiance and just he's in a very happy mood sounds like he's one hell of a nice guy which we all know isn't quite true what did you make of the Aaron Rodgers situation oh man yeah how long we want to go here Jeff um (laughs) yeah I whatever like I just I'm of the opinion and you've known me long enough and like you said earlier I'm getting a little even more this way just I don't want to deal with the BS like just let's just go what's the answer what's what are we doing let's just do it and you know, this, you know, the Tom Brady, am I going to retire or not? The Aaron Rodgers, oh, where am I going to play? And am I going to retire? Just do something, make a decision. <laughs> I don't, and I don't, you know, Aaron, I don't want to ever see Aaron Rodgers talk ever again. I don't yeah. want to see it. I don't want to waste my life with it. I'll watch him play football games because he's on the field. He's really good. He's great. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. I want to know nothing about Aaron Rodgers because the more I learn about him, the less I ever want to watch a Packers football game the less I ever want to draft him on a team because he everything he does turns me off, Jeff. Everything he does. I don't like yeah. anything about him except when he's between the hash marks. And unfortunately, in today's day and age, we have to qualify that by saying this doesn't have anything to do with his politics. You know, we, Ray and or myself, could agree uh, 100% with his politics. You don't know. We don't. I don't really know. Ray, mate, I don't I know. I don't really know. But the, I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. It's the fact he's an asshole. 
I, I literally, we do not care what political leanings anybody has. I, I cannot be more serious about that. I know for some of you that listen, it's very important. You only want to identify with people that line up and I get it. I, I've never been wired that way. I'm never going to be built that way. In fact, I gravitate to people I disagree with more than the people I agree with. Cause it's more fun. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, just, I like that. I like to learn and evolve and all that. He's an asshole. Like Aaron Rodgers isn't a good person. And just in general, he's an asshole asshole to everybody and everything he's ever met and come into contact with. That's why we don't like him. So it's not to do with the political side of this. Correct. Um, also the, you know, we've been going through this huge study of, you know, fantasy football from 2021 digesting it. We're going through the most consistent players, you know, from the season at each position, projecting it forward into 2022. And, you know, one of the things that I, I want to get your opinion on here as well, Ray, is that there is maybe a handful of running backs that I have any kind of interest in whatsoever, because the running back position has become starting pitching for me, right? It's segmented down to the, the, the bare bones at this, mm-hmm. everything. Do you, I, if I get a Garrett Cole, great. Max Scherzer, I'll say fine too. But once I get beyond that handful of guys that right. you just, the pit, the manager's going to let them throw 110 pitches if need be. They're going to go seven innings if need be, so on and so forth. At the running back position of fantasy football, it's very similar. And I think there's maybe a handful, not even a full handful, like three or four guys at the position that I trust after that I'm out. And Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, I'll throw Joe Mixon into the the fire there. I would throw in a guy like Christian McCaffrey, but he can't stay healthy. I would throw in a guy like Dalvin cook, but he's had a complete different system being implemented in uh, Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff and in Minnesota. So what my point here is, I'm going to be a lot higher on wide receivers early than I have been in years. And some of you, Ted's been on this, Ted Schuster, co-host at Sirius XM and the fantasy guru has been always wide receivers early in the last couple of years. And uh, I think it's made a lot of sense, but right now I just think the way the league is, there's too much fracture, too much segmentation at the running back position that if I can't get one of them absolute premium guys, I'll draft three, four wide receivers in a row before I start attacking these platoons and these committees at running back. Yeah, just don't be like me and um, take DeAndre Hopkins in the second round and Allen Robinson in the third. Just don't do that next year. I I did that in like three quarters of my leagues this year. Allen Robinson, we've talked about, that's one of the biggest disappointments, I think. I cannot, I, I think it may be the single worst call of my life i've made some bangers and old takes exposes got me a couple of times I, I mean i've i've made some bad calls i didn't think mccaffrey would pan out i didn't think russell wilson would pan out um looks like you're uh, right about kyler murray by the way just don't I, I might be i might be too early to tell but so been right a lot been wrong a lot it happens and um yeah i cannot remember a player playing as much as Allen Robinson did not really be an injury. It's it, we can't blame anything. There's no injury. Yeah. It's just, he was fucking terrible. Yeah. Just absolutely terrible. I can't, do you remember 
And football, at least, being that wrong on a player, being that invested, I mean, being with, that wrong. Unless there was an injury. I mean, that's an injury or something off the field. Okay. In terms of not having that, ugh, no. I mean, that's like, I, I'm like, I've told the story. I had him like on seven of my eight teams. Yeah. Like, I took him in every draft in the third round. And I was like, yeah, buddy, 85 catches and, a, and a, 1,100 yards is my baseline. I mean, that, which seems fair. Right? It's not uh-huh. exorbitant, but nothing. So, no, that was. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was bad. Um, so, you know, again, I was, well, I was willing to do what you just suggested. I even did it this past year in 2021, two of the first three picks being wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Talk to the listener a little bit, if you could, Jeff, about the handcuffing idea. Cause I know people are going to hear this and they're going to spin what you're saying into the, you don't believe in, you know, they're going to spin oh, into something you're not back. saying. Yeah, no, so no, they, no, I, I just don't want to be, um, I, I think that at running back, we're going to, there becomes such a desperate need. Well, I got to get the running back. Got to get a running back. I don't have a running back yet. And you think there's going to run off. Normally there is 32 starting running backs, or that's what it used to be. And that is it. It's over, but that's not the case in the modern NFL. It's you now technically have about 44, 46 ish starting running backs. If you go through the logs, you will be stunned. How many games do you think Alvin Kamara started this past year? Like it, he doesn't necessarily start. It's one of those things you look at. You're like, why didn't that? Why did he played 13 games? He started 10. Why didn't he start? Cause that's the way it goes. It's the way it's fragmented in the NFL. Well, it's like bullpens in baseball. They, they've yes. changed mm-hmm. how they operate. And we in the fantasy game probably need to change how we yes. do it as a result. Yes. And we came up with the Burr report, what, six years ago? I mean, it's been a long time now. The bullpen usage and reliever rating system and all this. And we did it to stay on top of it, the changing game. And that's where I'm at. I think there is, it's time for an evolutionary change to fantasy football. And that I, if you want to take Henry Taylor, Harris, Mixon, first four off the board, fine. No problem. I get it but I can't make a case for another guy, you know, and once you start getting, and I love Nick Chubb and I like Dalvin cook a lot. I love Austin Eckler. We know that. I think Javante could be, if Javante Williams is the clear cut guy, he might be number five on my board overall. He is right now until they bring somebody in McCaffrey, if he's healthy, I, I, but there's nobody else. Every other backfield it's, it's completely, by committee, there's a passing down guy, a short yardage guy, a starter guy, a veteran guy, a, a young player. And you can get a bunch of them in the later round. There's not that big of a difference. So why pay up for it? The reason we all pay up is because we think every draft season, the running backs that are the better of the committee, the one we all, the consensus, well, he's the best part of this committee. Right. And we all kind of agree on it. And thus you watch a guy whose ADP starts out in the third round goes into the first round because he just, you need a running back and he, he becomes the next running back. He's just the next guy. Don't do that anymore. Fucking wait. Right. Wait, you mm-hmm. get man, Josh Jacobs. Look at his numbers this year. Pretty damn productive. Not great ever, but pretty damn productive. Again, James Conner and Elijah Mitchell and Sony Michelle, who won people championships, and the Cordero fucking Patterson, which is a thorn in my side, but was very, very productive for oh, yeah. most of the year. All these guys, like 
man, they were really, really productive. And some of them weren't even thought about in drafts. They were all waiver pickups for the most part. So um, I'm not saying to zero out your running back. Absolutely not. Just don't pay the premium. Take the two high level receivers. Take when you start looking at guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, we'll see what the cup, of course, we'll see what happens with um, Devonte Adams, where he goes, but you, AJ Brown, even you start seeing these absolute locks at the right receiver position. And most leagues start three receivers and a flex. So you could start four of them. You know, why not just pay for those guys and then be on the lookout for the running back. Go pick up when everybody else doesn't handcuff. Go pick up those handcuffs. Go get your Tony Pollard, your Alexander Madison's. Now go pay. If they're not going to cuff them, then go do that. Have, you know, have a starter or two for the start of the season, but go build the rest of your, you know, build with those backups. All you need is one to pan out and you're absolutely, you know, you're, you're locked it down. You've won your league. So that that's the way I'm approaching the 2022 season. Obviously we have a long way to go. A lot of offseason free agencies coming up, franchise tags coming up, NFL drafts coming up. We got trades that are going to go down. We got all these this quarterback roulette. We finally know some of the systems and the, the coaches and coaching staffs. Most of them are pretty much locked in, at least from the offensive side as of now. So it'll be a busy offseason. We've got the offseason package available to everybody over at fantasyguru.com. Get over there calling it franchise mode, baby. We're going to franchise. We're going to dynasty rankings. Got some USFL coverage. The draft just happened the other day over there. So, um, yeah, a lot of fantasy football coming up, especially in the early episodes of season three of the One Man's Opinion podcast. We're going to get Ray Flowers back as much as possible. I'll talk a lot of fantasy baseball as well. You know I'm going to have some good surgery stories too, Ray. You know, from Andy Striper stories. What does that mean? Jeff? Maybe, maybe some okay. sexy nurses to, mm-hmm. you know, me shit my pants or, you know, what I don't know. Who knows? We don't know where it's going to go. The recovery. I know that I have lethal, not lethal. I don't know why I say that, but like a heavy narcotic painkiller that I had to get, I had to sign for. That's like a nasal spray. Like they're like, they're like, wow, this is hardcore shit. Like a military grade, um, painkillers and shit like that. So who knows, man, maybe I'll record a podcast one of these days on one of those painkillers. I don't know. We don't know what the days and weeks are ahead, but, um, uh, season three is in our plans. We're excited about it. And I, I cannot wait, Ray. That's all we got. It's an extended episode today. I want to thank you, not just for being a good friend, good coworker, my man, for taking care of everybody on the XM show while I'm away. I'm sure you'll uh, shit all over me and tell everybody you're better at Timmy trumpets. I'm sure that's going to happen and <laughs> all that, but I really do uh, want to thank you. And thanks for joining me on this episode as well. Cause uh, you know, it's going to be going to be a interesting. I've never been off work for like yeah. more than a week. Like it's just not something that happens. So if I'm out for two weeks, it's going to be interesting, but um, well, thank you very much for all the support, my man. Oh yeah. And I appreciate you saying that publicly and, um, 
Just make sure the check clears, Jeff. We'll be good. Yes. Yeah. Well, well we'll see. To the, the estate of Jeff Mans maybe. <laughs> oh, come on, Jeff. That. You don't know. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, at the Ray Flowers on Twitter, everybody, make sure you're giving him a follow and support him on Sirius XM show. Everybody be nice and kind there. Um, rip on Ted if you're gonna rip on anybody. That, that's the way to yeah. do it over there. Yeah, indeed. And again, fantasy baseball draft guide also available. All of our products, all of our services. Is going to be under one umbrella, fantasyguru.com. Get over there, check it out. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. Again, the Jeff Mans, all one word Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Uh, the Ray Flowers on Instagram as well. So, got to get Ray on TikTok one of these days. I yeah, send you not, enough links. You send me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm into doing the video thing. We'll see. I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying, everybody. All right, folks, that's going to be a wrap. Season two, episode 106 in the books. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting this podcast this entire year. Really means a lot. We've seen unbelievable growth, a lot of interactions on it. And man, I cannot wait to get season three up and running here in a couple of weeks. So thank you one and all. Appreciate you. Remember, you may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's episode. And it's perfectly all right. Well, you could blame Ray Flowers, or you could just say, fuck it. It's just been one man's opinion. See you next season, everybody. Deuces!